0: Hey friends, welcome to the Skyline Church podcast. I'm Jonathan Middlebrooks, one of the pastors here at Skyline Church. Skyline is a worshiping community, a disciple-making community, and a generational community. We're committed to seeing revival in our city sparked through the presence of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. These sermons are specific to that purpose and in the context of our unique community. We hope that it might bless you in some way. Enjoy. My name's Chase Dewey. I am the youth pastor here. Don't cheer for me. Um, I am the youth pastor here and I love calling Skyline, our church home. So if you guys are new today, welcome. Uh, come back next week when Jonathan speaks. So he gave me this task while also kindly bestowing upon me and Maori to watch his kids for four days. So there is proof that God speaks in a chaos. So we love it. But yeah, here at Skyline, we've been pressing into the reality that God is a God that we serve and that God cares about his creation. He cares about his creation. He actually interacts with it. And one of the ways we see him interact is through revival. We have been working through scripture really for the last few months and. Really trying to familiarize ourselves with what it says in God's word. That way we can have our eyes open, ears open to see and hear what the Lord's doing in our city here in Oklahoma City. And so our prayer is that we see him move again in our city, in our day. And so we're gonna launch ourselves into today's text, which is Second Corinthians thirty one through nine, if you want to turn there. It's a bigger chunk. We're going to get there in just a second, though. Uh, through, through studying revival, we've gotten the opportunity to read this guy who is very familiar with revivals. Uh, Jonathan quotes him all the time. His name is Duncan Campbell. But he has three characteristics of revival that are really important for today. And they are that we have an increased awareness of God. That's, first, that's the first characteristic of revival. Awareness of God. Second, deep conviction of sin. And then, thirdly, physical manifestations, however, that happens. So, but I really want to focus on the first two because that's important for today with the uh, awareness of who God is and the deep conviction of my sin, our sin. So, as I become more aware of Him and His character, His being is like when I enter into His presence, I'm actually struck with how different I am than him and that's a good starting point for us when we when we get into his presence we should see the distance a little bit of ooh, you're holy (laughs) you're holy you're different but the really convicting thing is too is we find in the old testament with Yahweh speaking to Moses saying be holy as I'm holy that's that's a command to Israel and then you're like well Jesus didn't say that you know Yes, he did. In the Sermon on the Mount, he says, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. So there is this urge for us to become more like him and less like us, okay? And that's a great launching point for us as we launch ourselves into the story of Hezekiah. And quick summary before we dive into the nine verses is Israel was run by a lot of bad kings, a lot of bad kings. And Hezekiah's dad was one of those bad kings. He built hills all throughout the country where he would put up these Asherah poles, uh, basically these these places to sacrifice to other deities. So he's leading Israel astray in the ways of idolatry. And he actually shuts the temple doors down. He gathers all of the stuff in the temple, chops it all up, burns it. All right, so... Not a good dude, the Lord's not very pleased with Ahaz, but Hezekiah somehow comes out of that and does the complete opposite of his father. He, do, he, redoes, he re, redoes the damage, that's not it. He re, help me here, rebuilds the temple. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> redoes, he, undo, he undoes the damage done. get an amen? Can I get an amen? Wow. We got there. But he takes over at 25, which is scary because I'm 26, and I can't even talk up here. And he's the king of Israel. But he really follows—he follows the Lord. He just urgently is like, okay, we're getting back to this. He opens the temple. He rebuilds the things inside the temple. He purifies it. He gets together the priests and the Levites and says, it's time to consecrate yourselves because they had, they had been abandoning their post to minister to the Lord. And so his leadership really leads Israel in a really good direction, back, they're they're returning to the Lord, which is amazing. So we're going to read real quick. I know it's long, but we're going to get through it together. Hopefully I can speak. Verse one, Hezekiah sent word to all Israel and Judah and also wrote letters to Ephraim and Manasseh, inviting them to come to the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem and celebrate the Passover to the Lord, the God of Israel. The king and his officials and the whole assembly in Jerusalem decided to celebrate the Passover in the second month They had not been able to celebrate it At the at the regular time because not enough priests had consecrated themselves And the people had not assembled in Jerusalem The plan seemed right both to the king and to the whole assembly They decided to send a proclamation throughout Israel from Beersheba to Dan Calling the people to come to Jerusalem and celebrate the Passover to the Lord the God of Israel. It had not been celebrated in large numbers according to what was written. At the king's command, couriers went out throughout Israel and Judah with letters from the king and from his officials, which read, people of Israel return to the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, that he may return to you who are left, who have escaped the hand of the kings of Assyria. Do not be like your parents and your fellow Israelites who are unfaithful to the Lord, the God of their ancestors, so that he made them an object of horror as you see. Do not be stiff-necked as your ancestors were. Submit to the Lord. Come to his sanctuary, which he has consecrated forever. Serve the Lord your God, so that his fierce anger will turn away from you. If you return to the Lord... Then your fellow Israelites and your children will be shown compassion by their captors and will return to this land, for the Lord your God is gracious and compassionate. He will not turn his face from you if you return to him. And that's good news. So, returning to the Lord. In this text, we see an invitation from Hezekiah and the assembly, which I love, this unified desire to come and celebrate Passover. This collective urgency shows unity in the pursuit of holiness. Passover was one of the most important celebrations to observe. It was a reminder of Yahweh's redemption of his people, the Israelites, and his redemption of his people out of Egypt. How beautiful is that? That's how they start their year. That's like New Year's celebration. Mallory knows I can't stand New Year's Eve. I would love New Year's Eve If we started the year with like remembering who we are in him, who he is and what he's done for us and for our ancestors. That's beautiful. So they had other festivals as well. So this is just one. Passover is just one of the festivals that Yahweh commanded them to observe, which we can find in Leviticus 22. And they also have this rhythm of Sabbath. So weekly rest. That the Lord's calling them into. And the importance here is that God provides us with rhythms for life in which we live. In observing these rhythms, we live purposefully. This isn't legalism. It is a way for us to remember, celebrate, and come to know or rediscover who he is and what he has done for us. And this is why we gather. These holy rhythms of life are the heartbeat of our communities. When we start to drift or to look to other gods and pledge our allegiance to other things, like Israel under Ahaz did, we forsake the holy rhythms and we forget God. Tragically, we remove ourselves from the one who gives us life and life abundant, the one who offers us an easy yoke and a light burden. It is essential to live within these holy rhythms that God has established for us. And another thing I love about this story is Hezekiah's faithfulness and his zealous desire to return to the Lord. We could see it in this proclamation, verses 6 through 9. Let me get that. I guess we're not there yet. But in verses 6 through 9, we see it. Rather than wait until next year, he's like, we're doing this now. We're doing it now. And that reading that part specifically really convicted me as I went through this process. Because... How often does the Lord, the Holy Spirit, move in my heart and I put him off? I'm like, ah, I got this other stuff I gotta handle real quick, and then I'll get to that. And I never get to that thing. It happens frequently. I'm sure I'm not the only one that struggles with that. So let us return quickly. I love the urgency in Hezekiah. Let us return quickly. And most of all, it reminds me of the verse in Hebrews 3.15, which the author of Hebrews, it's contested. Some think Paul wrote it. Some have no idea who wrote it. So I'm going with the author. So everyone's happy here. Uh, The author of Hebrews is reflecting on Psalm 95 when he writes, "'If you hear his voice, do not harden your heart today.'" I just want that to sink in as we continue to move through this. But like, let's stop and make space for that. If you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. The Lord loves soft hearts. Soft hearts are hearts that return to him quickly. And so, now we can jump into... The decree, because I want to focus a little bit on here and then we can break it down a little bit more. But if we look at his proclamation again, and I, I highlighted the points that are that, that really pop in here, but he is urging the Israelites to return to the Lord, become faithful unto the Lord through submission and service, and rest assured that when we return, we will be met by a gracious, compassionate God who will not turn his face from us. That's good news. And let's examine this just a little bit more through some questions. The first question, why do we return? What's the importance of that? Why do we return? Because we've recognized an issue. The Holy Spirit's illuminated something in us that's out of alignment. And the issue most of the time is we've just abandoned the Lord. We forgot him. We forgot the way that he has established for us, the holy rhythms that we are, uh, that were established for us to live into. And so, Think back to the characteristics that I talked about at the beginning, those first three, where you have Duncan Campbell talking about uh, awareness of God's presence, deep conviction of sin. So awareness of him, awareness of my flaws. And this question makes us aware of the lack of his presence. It's the lack of his presence sets we need it. We need it. And it should convict us of our sinful ways. And it's here that we are like the younger son who was reminded of his father's house, house in the midst of filth and lack. I'm talking about the parable of the prodigal son. When he is at his, he's at the end of himself. He's aware that at my father's house, at least there's abundance. I'd be able to have a meal. I might be a servant, but I, I, I at least get to eat. Wouldn't have to be covered in filth. And so, next question: How do we return? Returning to the Lord requires us to submit ourselves to him and his way and to serve him only. And I know those aren't words that we like. I don't necessarily like them myself. So, but it's true. And so I think of it this way. It requires humility and trust displayed through our faithful obedience to him. That's submission, That's submission, humility, and trust displayed in our faithful obedience. And this isn't commitment to him in his way for just a season of our lives, but a faithful living that is realized every day. It's daily. You wake up, it's daily rhythm. And our return is not a journey we go on by ourselves, which is beautiful, (laughs) so good. But it's something we do in and through community. And remember from our text that Hezekiah not only made the personal decision to return to the Lord and led Israel into that, but he also had the assembly and his officials that were with him in that urgent decision to return. When we return to the Lord, we return not only with our whole being, but as a community as well. And for those who are taking notes, just write down Romans 12 and go camp out in it for a week. There's so much good stuff in there. I don't want to chase that rabbit now for your sake and for mine. So meditate on Romans 12 this week. It's an amazing passage on faithful living and what that looks like in the body of Christ. And that we all have a a place to exist under his lordship. That's freedom. Under his lordship, we all have a role to play. So what happens when we return? And this one's pretty quick. We're met with grace and compassion when we return. And he will not turn his face from us. Man. We're met with grace and compassion. And he will not turn his face from us. That's beautiful. That's good news, church. So how can we apply the wisdom From this story today In our lives as a church at Skyline And the first thing we could do is, Is acknowledge that these holy rhythms Exist So that they position us To behold him He's established these ways of living For us Not so that we busy ourselves with tasks So that we're always Going through life in a position To behold who he is and that's like Israel under Hezekiah. Observance, beholding. And I love the quote that we behold what we become. And it reminds me of my favorite verse in the Bible, Second Corinthians 3.18. It's when we behold him, we're actually transformed. We're transformed. And there are rhythms that we can observe communally and individually. And communally, here at Skyline, what that looks like is Sunday morning. So you're, you're, you're observing holy rhythm right now. By coming to church We also have Monday noon worship sets We have worship night on Wednesday We've got DBS's around the city That meet at various times We actually have classes Before church on Sunday morning And then also one thing that I was I, I don't observe this but I kind of went down The rabbit hole on it—is just Observing the, the traditional church calendar It might be something to explore I'm not an expert on it But there are rhythms that our brothers and sisters internationally go through with their lives. They have the holy days and the the day of just normal time. I love that, just the day of normal time. But there's beauty in it all, right? Because it's all into him. And then personally, Matthew six gives us great insight to how we can live into holy rhythms personally. And this is a little bit of overlap, Communally as well. So you're not off the hook community. So I'm talking to you though. It's prayer. The first thing prayer I've been doing the Lord's Prayer three times a day and it's it's transformed The way that I see him It reorients myself when you go through the words our Father who art in heaven Hallowed be your name the awareness of him builds the deep conviction of my weakness builds and there's beautiful harmony in that cuz i get to lay that down at his feet and say not my will but yours be done heaven invade earth we live in the, we exist in the kingdom today heaven is not some far off reality that we pray a prayer for hell insurance and say, you know what? Like, hey, I'll go check a couple boxes and man, Christian life, pretty easy, pretty easy. That's not it. It's a a Christian, Christian life is built around a person. It's built around a person. I'm I'm on a tangent, I'm sorry. Another thing, fasting, generosity, observance of the Sabbath. It's one thing that me and my wife have tried to explore. It's just like, how do we do this thing? You know, like how do we not do anything but do something? You know, like I'm terrible at this. So um, any tips, I'm open for them. But those are just ways that we get to do that. Those are ways that we get to behold him and exist in the ways that he's established for us. And so the second point I want to make here is it's possible to get out of rhythm with God very possible to get out of rhythm with God. And it doesn't take us long to discover that when you open your Bible and you get to chapter three of the first book and you're like, crap, we're already out of rhythm. We're already out of rhythm. And think about it. I want to break Genesis one through three down really quickly, but God creates and orders the world. And in so doing, he creates man and woman and appoints them to rule and reign with him over his creation. And there is this belief that in the cool of the day, the Lord would come and be with Adam and Eve and they'd walk throughout the garden. And that's when he would dispense to them wisdom of how to cultivate the garden and to extend the borders out. That's why when the Lord shows up, he didn't just show up at a random time in the cool of the day and Adam and Eve are hiding. It was an appointed time. There was this holy rhythm to their daily life where, hey, I don't know when, whatever the cool of the day means, that could be morning or nighttime, I don't know. But at that time, we're hanging out with the Lord and he's he's guiding us on how to do this. And they forsake that. They forsake it. With Eve's, she was deceived in putting her desires into something else. She desired the fruit. And Adam just stood passively by. He just stood there. And the point there, moral of the story, is we can actively go against God and his order through either rebellion, putting our desires above the ones, like our our utmost desire, which is him, or we can just drift that's, Pat, that's Adam. Just drift our way through life. Both get us out of rhythm. Both get us out of rhythm. Deuteronomy 28. Another thing. Write it down. Meditate on it. Blessings, curses. And God has Moses deliver this to the new generation Who is going to enter into the promised land? And even though he's delivering these blessings, y'all are going to blessings for obedience, curse for disobedience. He even tells Moses, he's like, y'all are going to blow it. I'm still giving you this way to exist, but I know you guys are going to blow it. And they do. King Ahaz. So the reason I'm passionate about this, though, guys, is because like my my life is a testament to this. And I just wanna, I just wanna honor my parents and tell a little bit of my story because it's not just because I was a pastor's kid. If the church was open, we were there. We were there. And it's not like, I just, as the youth pastor here, parents, show up. Your kids just soak it in. It doesn't matter if they seem distracted. They're kids. I'm 26 years old. I still get distracted. <laughs> but if you bring them into the presence, let's trust the Lord that they'll behold his beauty. So thank you, mom and dad, for doing that because I go to college. In my sophomore year, I'm rooming with Jack Lemon, and I am lost. And all I know to do is me and him have this conversation. We're feeling the same way, and all, all we know to do is we just got to start going to church. We've forsaken the gathering. Let's just start going to church. And then the urgency, it's like, I'm not saying we're like Hezekiah, but like it was the next day. We said, we're starting a Bible study tomorrow. And we met at the same diner for two and a half years and got to share the gospel with with the, the waitresses and the staff there. And more people ended up coming and my life is different Because of the holy rhythms that my parents observed, feeling the dissonance within myself and having a good enough friend to walk through that with. Personal decision, yes, but the communal aspect matters. And these rhythms matter because I need to be reminded of who he is and what he has done. Not just in my life, but over the course of history too. I need to be in his presence. I need to be, the, be built up by the body. That's you guys. I need to root my life in his way and not make him an accessory to mine. Jesus isn't an accessory to our life. A little decal we stick on the back of our car. He's Lord. He's beautiful. He's gracious. He's compassionate. And he's inviting us in. So, let us return. Band, you can come back up. Mallory and I were talking not too long ago about what a week would look like if we had nothing to do. No church, no nothing. And at first, I was like, that sounds... Well, actually, I couldn't decide... If it sounded more like hell or more like the best thing ever. <laughs> Doing nothing, uh, it sounds really nice. It's rest. But also, I can't sit still. So we're going to have to do something, you know. <clears throat> but quickly, the Lord just revealed to me in His grace that we would have just filled our schedule with pointless stuff. It's what we do. We would have just filled our schedule full of things that hold no value eternally, nothing. Wouldn't have been seeking first the kingdom, be placing what we we desire. And, And the crazy thing about that is, it's funny guys, because the devil is a liar. And why is it always the church gatherings? that we are easy, just, mm, uh, we can just skip it, doesn't matter. Not so easy when it's going out to have drinks with friends. I'm saying that from my experience. Hey, we're doing this tonight, and my first reaction if it's a Wednesday night is, God, church, like, I'm on staff there. (laughs) So... Is it worth texting, Todd? Probably not. (laughs) It should be, be, and that's just human nature. I'm making light of a a, a more serious situation. Most of the time, I know we're all busy, but most of the time, it's not like, no, sorry, I got church. You should come. Just come, we'll hang out afterwards. It's an hour and a half. An hour and a half of my week. Man, we give a lot. An hour and a half. In the grand scheme of things, it's nothing. And so he wants to get us out of our rhythm. The devil wants to get us out of our rhythms with God. And just this morning, talking with some of the guys upstairs, Carter brings up Psalm 1. I'm chasing the rabbit. Brings up Psalm 1. And it's a good word for us to end on. Because you have the way of the wicked, those who forsake the rhythms that God has established for us to walk in so that we can behold him and know him. It's graceful. Or we can be like a tree planted by streams of water. And it's fruit. it's season and so guys if you are in a season of just reckless abandon for the lord where you said i'm charging ahead do it i bless that if you are in a season where you're like i'm not feeling much Well, I can promise you this, what the devil wants you to do is to uproot your tree from the stream and take it out to the desert where you'll never bear fruit. You'll die. You'll die out there. So even though the tree is planted next to the stream, it doesn't make it any less of a tree. It will bear fruit in its time. That's why we don't forsake the rhythms that he's established for us. That's why we observe the gathering. That's why we passionate. we wake up first thing in the morning, you hit your knees like Billy Patterson, and you say, I'm not Lord, you are. You're Lord. I don't get to make all the decisions in my life. That's okay. You're Lord, I'm not. I'm just a man man and I love love Jesus because when we return we're met with grace and compassion he transforms us so let us return to the Lord with all of our being together all of our being together and serve him only That we may encounter and behold his compassion, graciousness, and beauty. And when we do these things, rest assured, he will not turn his face from us. And we, along with our city, our state, our nation, will experience him as he returns to us. That's revival. That's what we're crying out for. So, I know we have a prayer team. If the Lord is stirring in you, it has, it doesn't have to even do with what we talked about today. If the Lord is stirring in your heart, learn, let's learn from Hezekiah and urgently respond. We're Christians, and yet when we gather together, praying for each other is kind of still weird. It's not weird. It's edification. It's building one another up.'t you know, We shouldn't only pray when we're broke. <laughs> you know? So if he's moving in your heart, come up and get prayed for. We want to bless you guys. Thank you guys for being here. We're going to move into a time of worship.